Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And we'll be reading in verse number 15. This is going to be a little bit different style message than I usually preach, but I believe it's something that I should preach. Um, I actually had the privilege of going through this passage. I'll just tell you a little bit about it and then we'll get into the sermon. Um, go through this passage in Hebrew class this last year with Brother Gaddis. We went through and we parsed each one of the verses. We went and we were learning Hebrew and we went through just the basics just to help with um, study. Not that you're going to improve on the King James or anything like that, but it just can help you study a little bit, understand the flow of thought a little bit better. And so we were going through, we went through this passage, and we had to write our own commentary on the passage. And so we had to do the study, we had to do the word studies, and then we had to write a sermon outline on it. And I was like, I don't think I'll ever preach this sermon, but I believe we're going to preach it tonight. So we're going to go ahead and read, in verse number, starting in verse number 15, and we're going to read almost to the end of the chapter. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying... Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which, God, which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her Unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word, and we thank you for how clear it is, Lord. I just pray as I attempt to preach it tonight, Lord, that um, your word will be free to communicate, Lord, and that um, you just give me power, and I would say the right things, Lord, so that you could speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Has anyone ever created a problem and then left somebody else to fix it? I think we could all think of several stories about situations like this. I think of when I was in the grad school, I wasn't on the meal plan. We were in a separate um, building called the Annex, just the grad, um, graduate school students. And we did all our own cooking. I wasn't on the meal plan. And my roommates would love to leave the pot that they had cooked their lunch in. And they'd scoop out all their lunch and not clean the pot. And it was the pot that I needed to cook my lunch and, or my dinner when I came back from work. So I'd have to clean out the pot so I could cook my meal, so I could clean it out and put it away. And it, it was simply somebody left a mess for me to clean up. Politicians are famous for blaming the messes that they that they say, I inherited this mess. You know, it was the person in front of me that created this mess, and that's why nothing is getting done. It is always somebody else's fault. Or we could go to the restaurant scene. There is an entire line of work 
just so you do not have to clean up your own mess. It's called a busboy. He goes around and you get to leave the table however you, after you finish your meal, and he comes around and cleans up all your mess. How often do we, is there messes that people don't take care of? Now, we understand that that's part of their job and, you know, you're supposed to leave the table and they, they clean it up. We understand that. But what I'm saying is there's mess that they leave for other people. But aren't you so glad that today that we serve a God who doesn't leave messes for other people, leave messes for us to come and have to solve? We have a God who doesn't make mistakes, who doesn't um, leave problems for us, but rather he solves the problems. If we see some, if there's deficits in our life, either because of our own character or because of how we are trying to serve God or we're not serving God, yet it is God who comes and cleans up our messes. It is, we have a perfect God who always um, does everything perfectly and we don't have to um, worry about God not keeping his end of the bargain. Not only does this teach us about God, I love this passage because it's just a wonderful story. This passage. And in studying it, the basic elements of any story is you have the, you have the characters, the setting, the conflict, and the climax. And... Um, I love the Bible, and this, this passage is a beautiful piece of literature. It really is. And as we'll go through, it will, we can look at it, and we can see some of the elements of a story, and just see how good it is. But as you look at this passage, it's obviously talking about marriage, and how God brought the woman to the man, and you're like, okay, I'm married, or I'm not going to get married. What on earth does this passage have to do with me? I think we're going to go through the passage, we're going to go through the study of it, and explain it, and then when we get to the end, if you'll stay with me, and you'll, and you'll just listen till we get to the end, I really believe there's some timeless truths here, some absolute wonderful application for all parts of our lives, not just for marriage. If, if you, everyone will pay attention and listen and look up here, I think we will get some wonderful truths from God's Word tonight. Okay, we're going to first start with the setting and the characters of the story. That's verses number 15 through 17. All right. When in the beginning, when beginning the study of Genesis chapter two, it is important to note that God is the subject throughout the remainder of the chapter. God is the subject. God is the one doing the action. Man is in this chapter. Man is the direct object of what God is doing. God is causing action to happen and man is the recipient of that action. So it's important. This passage isn't just about man. This passage, the subject of this passage is God. And what we find in verse number 15, and the Lord God, this is what God did. He took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. First, we see God, God just simply placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. He gave man a home, he gave him a job, and he gave him some rules. That's what we see in verses 15 through 17. God put Adam in the here on purpose. It means God, it, it was a perfect environment. God took Adam. As I was studying and doing the research for my class, um, there's a verb tense, and I'm, it's going to be a little bit technical here, but if you'll listen to me, it'll, it'll help make, make a little more sense. It's called the Hiffel verb stem. And basically, that is a causative verb, okay? All through this passage, it means God is the one doing the action. And it's perfectly clear in our King James, in the English, but I enjoy, um, through that study, it helps you understand a little bit. God 
took man and he placed him. This was God's will. He took man and he placed him in the Garden of Eden. It was a perfect environment. And then the Lord God commands the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Thank you, Brother Franz. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So God takes Adam, places him in the garden. Then God tells Adam, this is what you're supposed to do, and this is what you're not supposed to do. God, Adam had a will. It, it was in a perfect environment. Adam had not sinned. Sin had not yet been introduced into the world. But God gave Adam a choice. He said, this is what I want you to do. This is what, not what I want you to do. And God is so wonderful. He says, of every, garden, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. You can eat. Of all the trees of the garden, you can eat to your heart's content. You can freely eat. There's no limits on it. You're not going to, you're not going to overstep your bounds with, you know, it isn't that my provision is limited here. It's utterly limitless. You can eat as much as you want. Freely eat, except for one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not eat of it. For on the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God gave Adam a job. He said, you're to dress and to keep the garden. And he gave him some rules. You can eat of all these fruit, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything was perfect, right? Perfect environment. No sin. God had created this place. He gave Adam two simple rules. Dress and keep the garden. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Perfect environment, right? In fact, all we've heard about God's creation up to this point, and God saw everything, that it was good. Except we come to verse number 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good. So there's, we come upon the first thing that's not good. It says, in, in, in the world up to that point, he says, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him in help meet for him. You see, man had a problem. But man didn't even know he had a problem. But God sent him to name the animals so Adam would understand his problem. All right. This is where we get to the conflict in the story. Right now, in the first week, we've had the setting. You know, we get to know Adam. We get to know a little bit about God. We come into this part and this is where we find the conflict of the story. There's something that's not right here. Adam is in a perfect environment. He only knows God. And God says, you know what? I want you to go name the animals. Okay. So Adam goes and names the animals. But God had him go name the animals because Adam had a problem that Adam didn't even know he had. Adam didn't know that he was alone until he began to name the animals. And then it says, let's just look what the Bible says. And he goes through, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meet for him. See, God already knew man was alone. God was never worried about that. God had created man with the need of a helper as part of the makeup of man. Whether man was aware of it, of his problem or not, God was already working. So God gave man a responsibility. He said, Adam, I want you to go name the animals. 
when Adam was naming the animals, that is when he saw, he saw, he saw Mr. Giraffe and he saw Mrs. Giraffe. He says, those are giraffes. He saw Mr. Elephant and he saw Mrs. Elephant. That's a, those are elephants. But what God was showing him is, is in all this creation, everything good I've made, you are missing something. You are missing something. You are not complete. And it was through his obedience to God that Adam realized that he was alone. That he realized that he was missing something. Does it ever seem like you're serving God and you're praying for this particular need that you have? And then God sends you to do something that has absolutely nothing to do with your felt, with your quote unquote felt need. This is the problem I have, God. I have a problem here. He says, all right, I want you to go do this. And it seems like it has absolutely nothing to do with what you're feeling. Or you say, everything's great. And God tells you, this is what I want you to do. And all of a sudden you say, now I have problems. It wasn't that you didn't have the problem to begin with. It's just that God had to bring things into your life to show you the problems. That makes sense. But even though Adam was not aware of his problem of being alone at the beginning of the story, God was already aware of it. God was already working things out. He was already moving stuff Moving Adam, moving circumstances so Adam could realize that he had a need and realize that God was the one who was going to have to fulfill it. Man was lonely and he needed a helper and there was none. God knew about his problem because he had created Adam with this need. And God now sovereignly works out to bring his perfect solution to man's problem. This is what we would call the climax of the story. We've seen who Adam, we've seen who God is. We realize that there's a problem here. Adam is alone. This is not good. This is not the final way God wants Adam to be. He does not want man to be alone. So he begins to work it out and bring it. It wasn't that this was an afterthought with God. It was that God was already completely aware of the circumstances. And he allowed Adam to realize that there was a problem. So he would allow God to work it out. We find in verse number 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. Once again, we see God creating the circumstances. God is the one working here. He makes Adam fall asleep. Adam could do nothing to meet this need by himself. So the best thing for him to do was sleep. He couldn't do anything about it, so he simply allowed God to continue to work. And he wasn't saying, but God, I have this problem. But God, I have this problem. So often I know in my life that God is working. God is doing things. But I'm sitting here going, but God, I have this problem. But God, I have this problem. But God, I have this problem. And it isn't that God is not aware of it. He is aware of it before I was even born. He was aware that I would have this problem. But... It is oftentimes simply what we need to do is trust God and realize that God is already at work. And God designed and crafted his perfect plan. God took a rib from Adam. He did not make Eve from the dirt. He made someone special from Adam and brought Eve to Adam. Whatever God was going to do about this problem, 
It was going to complete Adam. When it talks about, I will make and help meet for him. It is the idea of something opposite, but the same. Like a coin that is broken into two pieces, each piece is different. Yet, they complete each other and make one unit that is of far more value than separate pieces. And what God is saying is, I'm going to make something for Adam. Adam is missing something. And like a coin, that's, have you ever seen like a coin snapped in half? It's missing something. And then you see the match. And it comes. And it completes it. And that's what God is, that's what God is teaching here. Is that He created something to fit Adam's need perfectly. And God brought Eve to Adam. And God solved man's problem by sovereignly providing, by His plan, an indispensable help. And we could go through and we could begin to talk about everything that God did and how Eve was the perfect match for Adam and was His indispensable help. And God told, I'm sorry, and Adam said in verse number 23, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And he begins to go through and, and then there's the um, explanation in verse number 24 about what marriage is and how God designed marriage to be between one man and one woman for a lifetime. And that it is to, um, they are to be together. And that they are to complete one another. But, as I was studying this and going through it, it was no, newsflash or not any news. You know, I was single at the time. I'm still single now. And it was a great help to me going through and studying this out and realizing that God, just as He did for Adam, we have the same God today. And He, even though Adam didn't even know His need at the time, God was already working it out because He knew man was not good, but it was not good for man to be alone. And God was already working it out, and He made something that was a perfect match. That completed Adam. That brought something together so God could receive the greater glory. And now you may be thinking, here's a young single guy preaching on marriage. (laughs) And you're going, what are you doing? Well, it's the Bible, and we're going to preach the Bible. But, or you may be thinking, I'm already married, or I'm not going to be able to get married. What on earth does this passage have to do with me? How can you stand there and talk about how it was a perfect match? Sure, there wasn't sin yet. God, you know, that really doesn't mean a whole lot to me right now. And, but there is a timeless truth here. Yes, and if you are single today... And you are waiting for God's will. My, what the Bible is teaching us here is you need to wait for God. Because God is already behind the scenes. He's already working. He's going to bring that perfect thing into your life in the perfect time. But, how foolish would it have been for Adam to begin to seek to fulfill? He had a need, yes. We could all say Adam had a problem that needed to be fulfilled. But if Adam had begun to seek the fulfillment of that desire by himself, how would he have ended up? If Adam had been seeking for that help that he needed, that help meet that he needed before God had created Eve, 
That would have been a fruitless search. He could have searched the entire Garden of Eden and not found anything. But it was when he simply trusted God and fell asleep and allowed God to do the work that God brought Eve into his life. And there was a beautiful marriage there. But even more, as we, t- as we think about this and we go through this passage and we realize, yes, God knew there was a need and God sovereignly provided for Adam's need. We need to allow God to meet our needs. You know that each person today, each person in this world, is born with a spiritual need. A spiritual hole that only God can fill. Each person, um, we are each born in need of salvation. What I, and God alone is the one who can able to, is the one who is able to meet that need. This is one application of this text. Yes, the main application of the text is the fact that God brought Eve to Adam and there was marriage and that Eve perfectly met Adam's needs. Yet you and I were created to have fellowship with God. Even more important than marriage is our spiritual relationship with God. There may be someone in this room who is not saved, who is in need of a help meet, or God is not your help meet, but they are spiritually alone. They are spiritually alone in this world. And, there's, and we need, we are born spiritually dead. And we need to allow God to meet our needs. It isn't that we can go searching through this whole world and we will never find fulfillment outside of Jesus Christ, is, is what I'm trying to say tonight. Adam had to wait and trust for God to bring that perfect mate into his life. But there are so many other needs, other than marriage as well, that God is already working, that we may not even know we have. There's a need we have. But God is already working. He's already trying to fulfill that need. But so often we go searching for something that will never meet our need. And we do not allow God to meet it in His perfect way. God is concerned about you. The very hairs of your head are numbered, and He has not forgotten you. God may be working in your life so you can understand a problem that you have. Something you need God to do in your life. is The problem Adam had could only be solved by God. The problem Adam had could only be solved by God. If you are unsaved tonight, you have a spiritual problem that only can be solved by God. There's no religion, there's no book, there's no anything that can make you spiritually right with God. If you are trying to serve God today, if you are a Christian and you are trying to live for God today, there's going to be needs that you have that money can't meet, that friends can't meet, We need God. We need God in our lives. And God is going to be working in your life if you'll simply let Him. You need to, you and I need to allow God to meet your needs. How many times have we reached a climax as we've been in our lives and we've been struggling with this one thing and then we finally reach the climax and we see the answer and we realize that God has been there all along. 
that He's already been working it out, even though we didn't see Him behind the scenes working it out. He's already been there. He's already been working out. He's already been moving circumstances and such things so that we can look at it and we can say, God was the one who did that. You and I cannot solve our spiritual problems. We all have things that we need. We need to spend time with God. We need God to move things in our life. We need, it, whether, whether we're dealing with financial problems, whether we're dealing with health problems, whether we're dealing with marital problems, what we need is we need God to move things in our lives so we can see God get the glory for it. Because God's answer to our problem is always greater than our own. So, we see, we um, saw in this passage, God miraculously worked out and brought Eve to Adam in such a wonderful way that all we think of is glory to God. Man, I wish, or we think, man, I wish that would happen to me or whatever. But I'm glad to tell you tonight that we are serving the exact same God. The God who is able to work everything out. The God who if you will simply allow Him to work, you know, we, you know what we notice? Is that God was already completely aware of the problem. But Adam was obedient to God. We don't see Adam going and trying to solve the problem by himself. By himself, excuse me. We don't see Adam going and saying, but God, I need you to fix this problem in my life. You show me I have this problem. Rather, he said, God said, go name the animals. So what did Adam do? He went and named the animals. God made Adam fall asleep. Adam fell asleep. He didn't fight against God. And then when God finally brought His plan, His perfect plan into His life, Adam was like, wow. God, You are so good to me. And in our lives today, as we seek to serve God, whether... You are dealing with marriage, whether you are dealing with you simply, you know, something that nobody knows about. God, I need you to do this in my life. God is more than capable of doing that. God is more than capable of fulfilling whatever need. In fact, He is already more than aware of it and working on it. What you and I need to do is allow God to be the one who fulfills our need instead of us trying to do it. The point of the passage is it was God who brought Eve to Adam. It was God who fulfilled Adam and completed Adam and brought that thing that was not good into something where God said, this is good, this is glorious, this is something that all of history, all of mankind looks to and says, this is God's plan. And in our lives, like I said at the beginning, we are all born spiritually dead. And God has, has a need, has brought, we have a need spiritually and God has fulfilled that need completely on Calvary and we can be saved because of what God has done. But also as we live our lives, we're going to come across things that we need. We're going to come across obstacles we cannot get over. And it will be as fruitless for us to try to fulfill ourselves spiritually as it would have been for Adam to seek Eve before God brought her to him. It would be the same foolish decision. Rather, if we simply do exactly what God says, obey every command that God gives us, 
Realize only God can meet the need. And trust God will provide in His time. We can see God do amazing things in our lives. And we look back and we can say, wow, only God could have done that. Only God can meet needs that are spiritual in our lives. We can't go and seek them on our own. We will only find disillusionment. We will never find that perfect thing that will absolutely complete us. If we simply allow God to bring His plan and bring His fulfillment of whatever the situation you're facing in your life, if we will simply obey God and trust in the character of God, we can find that God will meet our needs so abundantly, whatever the need may be, so beyond what we could ever imagine. And all we will be able to say is glory to God. It's a beautiful story. I didn't do it justice. But if you read it, you can just see the beauty of, the, of not only just the literature of it, but just how glorious God is and how He worked everything out. And it was God doing the action. It wasn't Adam out there doing it. But it was God working things out and bringing His perfect will to pass. We need to allow God to be the one who meets whatever need we have instead of going out and trying to find it on our own. Because you will never find fulfillment outside of God. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You for today and we thank You for Your Word, Lord, and just the beautiful story that is in Your Word, Lord, and just how, how You work things out, Lord. I just pray that we could trust You, Lord, more and allow You to work things out in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just take a moment as the piano plays.